Okay, welcome to Campus Beat. Uh, my name is Dinah Jansen, and I am here with Professor Sam McKegney and PhD student Sarah Kent from the English Department. And they're here today to talk about uh, the English Department and the new MPhil program. Welcome to CFRC. Thanks Thank so you. much for having us. All right, so uh, Sam, Sarah, uh, tell me about yourself and uh, tell me a little bit about some of the research that you're doing in the department. Who wants to go first? Uh, my name is Sarah. I'm a second year PhD student. Um, my research uh, mostly focuses on um, anti-colonial solidarity work between Black and Indigenous communities here on Turtle Island. Um, and I recently completed my comprehensive uh, field exams in Indigenous literature. And uh, I'm Sam McKegney. I'm a settler scholar of Indigenous literatures here in the English department. Uh, I had the opportunity to be the graduate chair um, for during the years that the MPhil was being developed and uh, when we were consulting with students and faculty and prospective students on this program and, and that's what really brings me here today. Uh, I should also say that once upon a time I was a grad student here at Queen's. I did both my master's and PhD degrees here. Um, well, let's just say some time ago. And uh, I was very fortunate to come back as a professor, and I've been doing that for about 10 years. And uh, my research, um, well, is is involved in uh, Indigenous literatures here on Turtle Island. Um, I've studied residential school survival narratives, masculinity theory, and most recently I've been working quite a bit on uh, hockey as a way of manufacturing settler entitlement. Um, so those things kind of fit together or don't. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, so are you supervising Sarah? I am. I'm fortunate and honored to be able to uh, to engage in that task. Okay. So it's not awkward at all that you're standing here with No, this. no. As long as he doesn't ask me how my dissertation proposal is going. <laughs> not, not awkward at all. <laughs> and there was no coercion involved. No. no. Come here. Okay, well, uh, fantastic so, uh, research that you're um, uh, both into. Now, um, tell us about uh, the graduate programs within the English department. We have had a master's degree and, uh, and a PhD for years and years and years. In fact, our, our doctoral program is one of the oldest in English literature in the country. Um, and uh, our MA is a one-year program. It is primarily course-based, but it does have a thesis option. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it emphasizes breadth and is a, the perfect type of degree for uh, folks coming out of an undergraduate degree in English or a cognate discipline who simply aren't done learning yet. And they really want to dig more deeply into their literary analyses. So the master's degree uh, provides the opportunity to move on into doctoral studies, uh, to pursue other degrees like uh, degrees in education or law, um, or to embark on careers at that stage. Um, one of the distinguishing features of our master's program is that we have a literary internship option. So there's a, an ability for students to, uh, to get on-the-job experience in a literary-related uh, workplace. Uh, the PhD is a four-year degree. Uh, it has coursework. Uh, it has uh, field exams, uh, a special topic presentation, and of course uh, dissertation writing under the guidance of hopefully an <laughs> expert in, uh, in, in an adjacent field to your own. 
Um, and then our newest degree is uh, the Master's of Philosophy in English Language and Literature. And it's a, a unique degree. It's uh, the only one of its kind in Ontario at this point. And it's a two-year degree uh, that allows students um, at the master's level to dig even more deeply into a particular discipline. So they have a year of coursework, uh, but then they also do field examinations, they do a publishing practicum, and, uh, and thereby you know, you sort of distinguish themselves as having expertise in a particular area in a way that you, you don't get in a one-year master's. Wow. Now, uh, what attracted you, Sarah, to the PhD program? Did you do a master's here at Queen's? I did my master's at the University of Calgary, but looking over the, the course offerings that were available here at Queen's was really what drew me. Uh, there was some really innovative courses offered, um, one of which was uh, by Armand Rufo, who uh, ran a course on Indigenous incarceration, which is kind of a very pressing issue at the moment. Uh, so it was both the breadth of course offerings and uh, the, the ability for me to um, gain more knowledge in the fields that I was interested in. Thank, I'm glad that you're here. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you talked a little bit about, uh, Sam, you talked a little bit about the graduate programs that you have uh, in, in uh, at the master's and PhD level. Um, can you flesh out a little bit more um, in, in more detail what the differences are between a master's and an MPhil, or a, a, an MA and an MPhil? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the MA degree, as I mentioned, is one year in length. Mm -hmm. So f for students who are, are um, not necessarily sure that they want to be doing graduate work for an extended period of time, the one-year uh, MA is an excellent introduction to graduate work. Um, you, you get to have the small seminar classroom, um, which tends to have between seven and, and 12 students in it. We tend to keep ours around 10. Um, and you know the really in-depth analysis of literature with an instructor who's working in her or his field of expertise. So you have, have people bringing cutting-edge research into the classroom and you get to engage with it. Um, so that uh, degree takes uh, about eight to ten months to complete, mm -hmm. um, and it gives you uh, a, a taste of a variety of areas of literary study. You also get uh, pres uh, pedagogical and professional development in that degree. Um, you, you get a research forum uh, in which you attend a series of guest lectures by uh, experts from Canada and, and throughout the world who come to the English department to share their research. Uh, and then you get to be part of this intellectual community in the English department. Again, it's contained in, uh, in time frame. Uh, and also, it doesn't have those extra requirements of you know, field examinations or uh, other forms of, um, of extended study in that respect. The MPhil is a two-year degree and it's really designed for those students who at the at the time that they're completing their undergraduate degrees they're very confident that they want to pursue graduate study in uh, in an impassioned <coughs> and sustained way for for um, years ahead so you know if you're a, a fourth year English student uh, and and you really have an idea for the kind of doctoral project that you would love to do in a few years the MPhil is an 
is an amazing opportunity because uh, it allows you to enter into um, the English program here as a graduate student and have guaranteed entry into the PhD. So you don't have to reapply to wow. go into a PhD. Uh, and then also because of the structure of the MPhil with its field exams and with the publishing practicum, uh, you actually accelerate doctoral study. So what, what mm -hmm. that means is um, you will be working on your dissertation earlier in your PhD than you would if you went directly into the PhD program without um, pursuing an MPhil. And I guess the other thing I really want to stress is that uh, part of the reason why we implemented the new program, the MPhil, is to provide a diverse set of options, like a suite of options for students so that they can figure out what works best for them mm -hmm. and what uh, what is going to fit with their uh, research aspirations, with their career aspirations, and, and with their life situations. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> we, we have this diversity of options, but then we also have flexibility within them. So if a student's in our MA program and decides, you know what, I really would love to go on and pursue a PhD here, and I would like to take advantage of the options of the MPhil, students can transition into the MPhil from the MA. And conversely, if uh, they're in the MPhil and they think, whoa, grad stu studies isn't for me, um, they can determine in that first year, well, actually, I would like to transfer into the MA, complete my degree within the one year, and exit with uh, an MA credential. Now, what, uh, what process do uh, students uh, take to apply to the MPhil program? Well, what you will need to do is go to the English Department website here at Queen's and uh, if you click on uh, Graduate Program, you'll be able to find an Apply link and you click on Apply, it'll take you to the portal and uh, what you will be required to, to submit will be your transcripts, uh, two letters of reference, uh, a, a writing sample and um, I'm sure there's one other thing. Uh, your statement of intent. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So you, you would supply that, that short document that indicates your research interests. What kinds of advice, Sarah, do, might you have for undergraduate students thinking about applying to the MPhil program? Uh, the kinds of things that they might want to think about when they're maybe in their third year or even fourth year at the time when they're actually starting to begin the application process. What do they need to know? I think searching around quite widely, looking at different institutions and the research that's being conducted there, um, and also places that you can imagine yourself. So it's not just uh, committing yourself to a university, it's also committing yourself to a place. Um, so can you imagine yourself living in a very large city, um, or do you want somewhere smaller that really fosters um, uh, and invests in uh, community ties? Mm -hmm. um, I think there are range of things to take into consideration, but starting early, doing lots of research about where you envision yourself mm -hmm. is so important. I always thought too that uh, a lot of students uh, need to know that it's also good to start putting feelers out with potential supervisors, and yes, it's totally okay to email professor so-and-so to see if, one, their research interests match up with yours, and two, can we have a conversation about me coming to Queen's to mm -hmm. do the MPhil or other programs? Absolutely, and as we really appreciate that kind of interest. So um, 
yeah, if, if you're able to instigate those conversations, quite often you'll find people quite interested to reciprocate and, and speak with you. And may I just say from a faculty perspective, um, just how honored we often are to receive those emails. Uh, when students indicate their interest in the research we do and are willing to share their own ideas, uh, it really reminds us of the relevance of our work. And, and so, um, you know, don't feel sheepish about reaching out in that way. Uh, quite often you'll find someone just is interested to get back in touch with you. Fantastic. And now tell us about the faculty roster uh, within the English department. Uh, uh, what kind of research is being done? Uh, what kinds of research supervision expertise are available for potential MPhil students? And uh, and maybe a, what did the classes look like? Okay, well I'll just give you a little bit of backdrop on uh, the department faculty. Uh, we have scholars who are working in, in virtually all of the areas of uh, literary study uh, for, in a historical perspective, but also uh, in terms of methodology. You know, we have people doing um, incredible research on uh, in medieval literatures, uh, looking at international and cosmopolitan philosophies within medieval literature and questions of gender. Uh, we have people working in Renaissance and Restoration, people working in theater, people working in non-dramatic arts. We have um, an excellent roster of modernists. We have people working on conflict literature and war literature. Um, we have many uh, people working in American and Canadian, post-colonialism, uh, eco-criticism, indigenous studies, uh, people doing community-based research, um, people doing uh, research on popular culture, uh, race theory. Really, mm -hmm. we have, we have uh, a lot going on basically all the time and uh, and what you'll find is these incredible synergies you know people may be working in totally different historical periods but having in really interesting overlap and and dynamic interactions between their work and I mean it's one of the the um, elements of, of our particular department that makes it an exciting place to be. Mm -hmm. um, and also because we're not so so huge you know we have 30 full-time faculty um, we all get to know each other and the mm -hmm. students get to know the faculty as well mm -hmm. and that creates more opportunity to see how your own research fits in. Okay. Now, um, get, before I get back into the question of coursework and maybe you can talk a little bit about your experiences. Sure. Um, one thing I actually uh, I, I wanted to reflect upon for a moment too, and perhaps both of you can jump in here. When I was finishing my PhD in history, many uh, which is in the humanities along with English, people were like, "Well, well, what's what's that useful for other than you know just being at the university and thinking all the time, <laughs> or writing books, or trying to, or." publishing articles, but what does that do? What function does history have? Are you ever asked these questions uh, given that, what, like where is academia going and, and where are the humanities going, especially where are PhDs in the humanities going? What do you think? Where What is the uh, function of English literature or literature overall in society and how we think about society and interact with each other today. The research that's going on in our department really demonstrates how um, 
how relevant the study of language continues to be mm -hmm. and how it enables us to actually seek after more just relations in our world. Mm -hmm. And I'll just, I'll, I'll give you a, a couple of examples. Um, so Laura Murray is a scholar in our department um, who works on a variety of things from uh, American literature, uh, American colonial literature, um, to contemporary settler indigenous relations. And she's been working uh, in the past number of years on uh, a course uh, that, that causes students or, or encourages students to uh, reckon with their own sense of belonging in place. Mm -hmm. So whether they're indigenous, non-indigenous, settler identified, arrivant, et cetera, um, to think about where they come from, where they consider home, and what it means to study in a place like Kingston, which is in Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe territory. Uh, and then she has them engaging with thinkers uh, from this place and from those intellectual traditions, you know, Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe intellectual traditions. And so that kind of of really deep self-reflexive learning mm -hmm. uh, actually is, is uh, integral to um, aspiring toward reconciliation in mm -hmm. a place like Canada. So the political relevance of that kind of study and how it relates to language and story is, uh, is paramount and it's, it's, uh, it's really urgent. So those kinds of examples really illuminate why literary study continues to be, uh, as it always has been, uh, really significant, really important. All right. What do you think? I wanted to echo that, that the scholarship that these professors are um, are working towards, which is invested in uh, community, it's directly translating into the classroom that um, we as students are having these really critical discussions about what reading literature does. Um, and I think it helps round us out as scholars, understanding that we're not just creating knowledge for knowledge's sake, that it has a material consequence in the world. It really does, mm -hmm. because the literature that has been produced and continues to produce ultimately shapes culture Absolutely. and society. Right. Uh, now, get, you mentioned uh, classes, and I wanted to get back to that. What kinds of classes uh, did you take, and uh, what does the classroom experience look like? And, you know, for actually for undergrads that are thinking about an MPhil program, maybe it'd be nice to be able to hear a little bit more about what they can expect vis-a-vis -vis workload, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. it, like, it really does change between the undergraduate and the graduate level. Absolutely. I had the opportunity to kind of dabble in a range of fields because of the breadth requirement that's part of the program. Uh, so I took a course in Victorian vampires, which oh my gosh, it's really? way out of my field. But I think uh, working through some of the questions that were raised in that class helped me develop some of my own ideas and bring it back into my own uh, field of expertise. Uh -huh. um, I was also able to take a course in the gender studies department. So again, and kind of thinking about um, multidisciplinarity. Um, and it's it's intellectually rigorous, the classes. Um, it is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't shy away from that. Um, but the professors are there to support you. The other mm -hmm. students are there, you know, also working through the huge pile of work that needs to be done. Um, and it's... Uh, it's, it's challenging, uh, but also very rewarding. I think mm -hmm. I've grown a lot as a scholar mm -hmm. um, through my coursework. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's also the exercise of uh, learning 
the art of organizing one's time very efficiently, yeah. but also making sure that you take time for yourself in the process too, because we all need to have you know mental health breaks and sleep, yeah, and fun time with our friends to be able to go back to our work and be otherwise refreshed. But I do recall from my graduate studies uh, the th how things stepped up, like not only the deeper um, discussion and discourse regarding the materials that we're engaging with in the classroom as well as our various assignments mm -hmm. and then of course once we're either doing a cognate or a thesis but there was also one I guess the most daunting thing at least at the PhD level too is okay I'm reading you know 500 pages a week at the master's level but then I was reading a thousand pages a week <laughs> once I got into PhD history <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was a bit daunting in that aspect but it's just uh, I thought that it was always you know, talking to people and talking to people that are already in the program just to sort of get an idea of what can I expect and to be able to pl plan ahead. And that's why I think it's a good idea for uh, potential students to also reach out to supervisors and current students to just sort of like, what should I expect and how do I plan ahead yeah. so I can succeed and be prepared because it is a whole new world. Right? Yeah. While I was a prospective student, um, Sam in his capacity as graduate coordinator was able to help me get in contact with some graduate students already here in the program. So they were able to help me think a couple steps ahead because they were already doing um, the dissertation work. Right. Um, so I got kind of the inside scoop on, on what my life at Queen's would look like. Fantastic. Okay, so, um, and that leads into the next question. So what's it like being a grad student in the English department? And maybe you can uh, talk a little bit about some of the opportunities uh, students can find uh, in terms of academic and even professional development. And maybe there's some stuff going on in social life, too, that folks would like to hear about. Absolutely. It's uh, it's a balance between doing all that reading and writing and then also engaging in the, the social opportunities. Um, our, our graduate English cohort is very active um, uh, socializing uh, through the Graduate English Society, which organizes, we have like a weekly coffee hour where we mm -hmm. all get together and kind of uh, you know, catch up with each other about how our weeks have been. Um, and we also organize various events kind of in collaboration with the department. Um, through my coursework, I was able to develop kind of a range of papers that have been presented at conferences now um, and that I'm working on for publication. So that uh, professional development is really built into the courses mm -hmm. um, that professors are encouraging you to kind of take that step towards being a scholar um, rather than just a student, right? Mm -hmm. um, professional development is also kind of threaded through the Graduate English Society. Um, where we have a range of representatives on different committees across campus. Um, uh, there is also funding opportunities within uh, the department to attend conferences, and that's a huge part of, of moving from a graduate student into a, a young scholar, mm -hmm. um, having the opportunity to network with other people working in your field. Exactly, and uh, being able to travel, uh, find out what other kinds of research are being done, uh, being able to engage people, being able to, uh, with your own research, and I always found too, and perhaps Sam, you f might feel the same or differently, mm -hmm. jump in here anytime. Uh, when you go to conferences too and you're presenting your research, you get all of that feedback 
So, sometimes you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Depends if you're scheduled at eight in the morning. Yeah, on a Sunday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's happened to me a few times. But sometimes you get some really great insights, especially uh, when you, from an interdisciplinary level too. Like people are coming in with all kinds of knowledge that is out of your research realm, mm-hmm. and then you're like, "Wow, I didn't think about it that way." Maybe I should go and explore that literature. And then you actually establish some really neat networking opportunities too, right? Yeah. And I I would just throw in there that I really encourage folks when you do get on those initial conference trips um, to try to carve out a day for yourself after you get back to work from the inspiration that you have. Mm -hmm. I always have these grand um, aspirations of getting back and like, debriefing and putting everything and then I get right back into the the teaching uh, run of things and uh, and there's so much there that you can make use of if you just capture it and, and take hold of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sarah's done a, a lot of conferencing for the the level that you're at. So as an example, like where have you been? Um, recently I was in uh, Stolo Nation in Chilliwack, BC for the Indigenous Literary Studies Association uh, conference, which was during the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so able to present there and, and make some connections with other graduate students mm-hmm. um, doing work in Indigenous studies. Um, I was also, I also presented a paper in absentia, unfortunately, at the MLA conference. Uh, My travel plans were derailed by the bomb cyclone. Um, So I wasn't able to make that, but... um, uh, that paper emerged straight from coursework, and uh, I was able to share it with a scholarly community. Okay. Yeah. And uh, any publications on the horizon? Are you thinking about that yet? I do. I do have some publications okay. on the horizon. Um, one of which is a paper that came from um, Sam's Indigenous Masculinities course. So I'm working through some edits at the moment for that. Um, but hopefully that should be out in the world soon. Okay. Well, let us know when it does come yes. out in the world. Maybe you'd like to come back and be able to promote hey look at what I did absolutely <laughs> it'd be fantastic to have you back all right so um, we're coming to near to the end here so is there anything else you want to add about the MPhil program in and of itself why you think people should apply well, why is I, it awesome I wanted to throw in that it comes directly out of what we were just speaking about which is professionalization is that the publishing practicum I mentioned it before but uh, I, I want to highlight uh, it as an opportunity within the program so it's it's actually a requirement of the MPhil and what the publishing practicum uh, does, it's in the second term of the second year, and it allows students to take a paper that they've written for one of their classes in the MPhil and make use of it through an editing process that lasts the term long. Uh, and so you're workshopping your ideas, you're recognizing what's missing, what other kinds of research you need to do mm-hmm. uh, in order to make this publishable. And you're doing all of that at the same time that you're learning about the academic publishing industry, as well as the popular publishing industry, and uh, and what steps you need to take in order to be successful in your attempts for uh, publication. So the goal of that requirement is that at the end of uh, your MPhil degree, you will already have one publication at least submitted and then hopefully you'll you'll uh, get really positive news back from that uh, <laughs> submission uh, but I, I think it's really it's really crucial so for those students who move on into the PhD um, you know that's a recognizable um, 
piece of evidence supporting your uh, your scholarly abilities. For those who move into a career, uh, it's a way of pointing to uh, what you're capable of doing and your knowledge base and your expertise. So it's really beneficial for those students. So mm -hmm. that's uh, another professionalization opportunity we're, we're quite proud of. Okay. Well, it sounds like a really outstanding program and it, it launches or begins in September? It begins in September and uh, we've just extended the deadline for applications because uh, we were only able to announce it uh, at the end of November. We've extended the application process until February 15th. Okay. So if you're interested, uh, please contact Molly Wallace in the English department and uh, consider applying. We'd oh. love to hear from you. All right, I encourage everyone to do so as well. <laughs> and uh, thank you both for very much for taking the time to come in today and talk about the English department, the MPhil program, your experiences as a graduate student. It's a pleasure to have you. It's thank a pleasure so much, to be here. I appreciate it. <laughs>